With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus all right welcome everybody to the hammer and rails podcast uh this is going to be our selection sunday episode uh, the brackets just came out uh, hilariously wrong on uh, CBS, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, there are only three of us today. Uh, fearless leader Travis is taking a well-deserved break after covering the tournament uh, in Indy for four days there. So I am Jumbo Heroes. Uh, we've also got Casey and we've got Juan. So going to be just the three of us today, but we should uh, get you through here in about 35 minutes or so covering the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament. So... We'll start with the heartbreaking loss to Michigan State uh, that we all just watched, I'm sure. I thought Purdue played, you know, pretty well. Um, obviously, we could have done better. Could We could have and should have won that game. But, you know, you look at the decision-making down the stretch, and it was definitely not uh, the best. Caleb. That's what I was going to say. I was going to hand it over to Casey so he <laughs> could get in uh, what he was sending us all throughout the game. So, Casey, what are your thoughts? My honeymoon with Biggie lasted for literally, I think, two days. Like yeah, two games, right? Yeah, I don't. At some point, you have to stop becoming a freshman. Like he's 30, 30 some games into the year. He's been playing almost 30 minutes a game. Like he's not a true freshman anymore. He's got a lot of experience and the same prop like that is an easy solution. Just do not shoot the ball up top with 20 seconds left when you're semi contested and you haven't hit anything all weekend. Yeah, yeah I was saying, that's that's not his shot anyway. He shouldn't know. If it's up to me, he's not taking that shot. I don't care if there's 20 seconds left or 20 minutes left. That's not his shot. I don't want him taking that. In general, I guess it always comes back. 
we'd been hot all weekend and Rafael Davis went 0 for 2 from 3. Vince Edwards went 0 for 6 from 3. Caleb went 0 for 3, so we were 3 15 overall in the game. And if we're not making threes, I mean, it's going to be tough for us to win. The fact we made it close at all is probably a good sign, even without A.J. Hammonds playing well. There's probably more positives to pull out of this because Michigan State might be the best team in the country. They definitely have the best player in the country. Oh, my gosh. He was just – Valentine was just crazy. <laughs> Some of those shots he hit, I, he just – there's nothing you can do. You just he's like he's like Jordan running down the court and just shrugging his shoulders. He doesn't even know how those go in. That and the passes he makes, we kept leaving the big guy running down to the hoop. And for most teams, that doesn't kill us. But Valentine's so creative with getting the ball over long defenders. Yeah. And Juan, I mean, you you have to be pretty sad. You were about a minute and a possession away from your dream of sweeping Michigan. Yeah. And Juan was at the game, we should point out. Yeah, that wasn't fun. Uh, mostly surrounded <laughs> by MSU fans in the upper hole. But I, have to say, uh, I think credit has to go to the defense there in the second half, especially to Johnny Hill. At least that's who I noticed. He was the one. Yes. He was the unsung hero there in the second half. I mean, oh, yeah. he was on all the MSU players, basically. He forced a couple steals, even got a three, his second of the year, um, <laughs> and got that layup. So when he went for that shot to tie the game, it's like really he was – probably our best option to go and that's just in my opinion like if i was going to hand the ball to someone to take the last minute shot it would have been johnny not biggie i was very <laughs> upset when he took that three a freshman mistake i think especially since it was so early in the clock if there was one second left fine take it i'll take it if it was one second left and i'm awful yeah i mean i castello thought was castello was awesome yes like he made that block on hill hill had the lane like he did a exactly. good job of getting what looked like an open layup but Costello was there, and he punked AJ in the post for most of the game. Yeah, he he played a great game. Uh, going back to Hill, though, I thought a lot of people, at least you know, on the angry internet, which is Twitter, you know, <laughs> tonight, were giving Hill a lot of crap for that shot, saying it was you know the the wrong time, the wrong place. But in that moment, he had a lane to the basket. We we were only down two at that point, correct? Yes. Yeah, you you tie the game. And he had been playing great in the second half. So I don't think you can second guess that shot. There's a lot of things in that last one to two minutes you can definitely second guess. But I don't think the, the layup by Hill is one of them. I I stayed off the message boards. But um, especially when Rafael Davis in one possession took two of the worst shots of the entire game. Well, yeah, because Hill got, Hill got the rebound and then yeah. Davis another one. And you're just like, no. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he, I, I know he played great when we played Michigan state the first time on offense, but he, he definitely did not today on offense. I mean, not just today. I mean, he pretty much I'm, I'm being generous. He actually looked better on defense. than I think I'd seen him. Yeah. Yeah. When they switched him to before the knee. Yeah. When they switched him to Valentine, it definitely seemed to create a little bit of a spark for the team. But I mean, that was only, I'm sure one ingredient, but he, you're right. He definitely looked a lot better than he has um, in recent games. To be honest, we were lucky to be close because Bryn Forbes went one for six from deep. He's about a 50% three-point shooter, and he was wide open on a couple that just did not fall. They also missed a lot of bunnies around the <laughs> rim. I mean, I couldn't believe some of those that um, that popped in and popped out for us. I mean, for them, but obviously it was, it was good for us. So, I mean, you're, you're right in that sense, but I mean... I it was just so disappointing to fall apart there in the last couple minutes. But Juan, let me ask you, since you were at the game, um, 
I mean, we could hear the crowd uh, pretty well on TV. What was the mix of fans you would think cheering for Purdue versus versus MSU? I would have to say the Purdue fans were much more vocal. Now, granted, in the upper bowls around my area is mostly Michigan State fans, and I couldn't see part of the lower bowl. Right. But I mean, the Purdue fans showed up well. I, there was even that one where Purdue forced a shot clock violation, yeah. and the players didn't even hear. The whistle, like Johnny kept driving to the basket, yeah. and Valentine and everyone else had to blow their whistles 10,000 times. I mean, they already do that anyway. <laughs> but the Purdue fans were able to create some noise, make it Mackie South for us today. I I just want to at least point out how fun it was to watch just the game in general. But did I don't know if any of you, either of you guys, were watching Isaac Haas during that that run in the second <laughs> half the dude just looked like he was having the time of his life i mean he was high stepping down the floor when they got that shot clock violation i mean he's running out to half court when we call a timeout to go hug people and just having a guy like that on the team regardless of you know the the play he puts on the floor having that kind of attitude on the team has to be such a such an asset and such a positive you know when in years past um, when we've missed the tournament, a lot has been said about chemistry problems and, and bad attitudes. So I, I just want to give a shout out to Haas on that front. Right. And I say it's just a completely different team compared to a couple years ago because we have Haas. We have Basil, who seems to be the exact same kind of person. Klein's always goofing around. It's good to see us having some fun out there because for a few years there was none to be found. Yeah. Yeah, even Stevens was like, you know, he's always interacting with the bench. And I know we've talked about going back and forth. Like, is he leaving? Is he not mixing well? But, I mean, even the bench players, they're interacting well with the team. And that's something, if you go look at the 2014 tapes, like, like Rafael would have a three and they'd, no one would be celebrating. They'd, they'd be uh, clapping like they were playing golf. Right. <laughs> and I, I don't know if any of you guys saw this. There was actually an article. I'm not, I don't remember if it was uh, on Rivals or on um... – uh, Journal and Courier, but they they spoke with uh, Stevens, and he he basically said, you know, he was you know he was in a bad place for a little while, and he's he's not bitter about not playing. He said, of course, he wants to play, but you know he understands he's a little behind and and has to go out and do these things and put himself into a position to play. So, I mean, it sounded like he was taking things pretty well. Again, you know, that's a public interview, so you never know what's going on behind the scenes or what he's really thinking maybe deep down. But that was at least good to read. You know, it doesn't seem like there's any bitterness between him and Painter, which I was glad to read. Yeah, the best case scenario is that in the summer they kind of just use it as a reset button and Kendall gets back in the lineup and then we have three wing guys I can all shoot again. Right. Do we think if he would have been playing it would have made a difference today or no? And whose minutes would you think he was going to take? No, because I didn't think Dakota played enough as is. Well, I think you think that about every game, don't you? <laughs> For the most part, I, I don't. I don't disagree. I, don't like... I love I love Matthias. I think he is really underrated on this team, and he's really he only... grown as a defender. Yeah, he's only played 15 minutes today. Obviously, Johnny Hill took some of those minutes, and P.J. Thompson played fine. But Rafael playing 34 minutes and being, you know, just an offensive not there. He had yeah. four points. Most of them were bailouts at the free throw line. Mm-hmm. It, Dakota does so much for us, unlocking, moving around. Like you it's said, his passer. defense has improved. Yeah, and he just moves the ball well. So yeah. when he only gets 15 minutes and Klein only gets seven, it's really hard to think that one more wing defender, especially one who is, you know, Kendall is a flawed player, and 
he wouldn't be he's not the magic that's going to turn everything around. No, no. I mean, he's not a magic bullet by any means. But you just wonder when you have a guy like him on the bench with his length who can go out on the perimeter and, you know, hit some threes if that would have made any bit of a difference. But, you know, it's all second guessing at this point. So Juan, any final thoughts on the game being in the arena and actually watching that one? I mean, it was a pretty good game, even though, it, you know, came out not how we wanted. That was a that was a fun game to watch. Well, I agree, um, but of course, as always, you know, Purdue like was getting blown out there. I'm like, all right, this game's over, and then they just had to give me hope there at the right. end and break my heart. <laughs> but Purdue's been breaking my heart since 2009, so I guess I should have seen it coming. We lost yeah, to the number two team in the country. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, not number two team in the country if you talk to the NCAA. <laughs> Perfect transition, Casey. Nice yeah, job. We uh, we obviously all watched some of the selection show i before we get into how terrible it was i just want to say i think it's hilarious that the accurate actual bracket leaked online during this two-hour fiasco they tried to run through us and is this the first time it's ever been leaked well (laughs) first time that i'm aware of and first time they've done a two-hour selection show yeah, you think it was just some guy that was like in the back room the whole time, like this is ridiculous. We should not be doing this. You know what? Here we go. I'm I really hope so. I hope he keeps his job and no one ever finds out who it was. <laughs> just for comparison's sake, and I know some people love, some people hate Darren Ravel, but he just tweeted this: the CBS selection show from 1982 to 2001 was half an hour. From 2002 <laughs> to 2015, one hour, and this year. 2016 two hours and there is absolutely no reason that show should be two hours did either of you guys watch it i know i think juan you said you were asleep from the drive yep i was and i'm glad i slept through it oh yeah i watched scenario i watched it did you watch the whole thing or did you no god no god no i watched barkley you know use his little whole i'm ignorant to college stick which is Still funny after four yeah, years, which is, I guess. Which is great that they're, you know, the they knowingly put out a guy who admits he doesn't watch <laughs> much, if any, college basketball as a college basketball expert. I mean, don't get, I love Charles Barkley. The dude is hilarious. <laughs> as a trip. I would rather have someone who can add something to the conversation, whereas he's just like, he's like the crazy guy they put on set to just joke and laugh at him. And then every now and then he says something insightful, but that's, you know. That's a broken clock going to be right twice a day. So Yeah, and that's the biggest part of the problem because the format doesn't fit a two-hour long. You're just making that seem even longer. At an hour, it's fine. It's 15 minutes of bracket. You get through it. You make your little jokes. You see the lineups, and then everyone goes home, prints them off, and starts you know gambling on it. You start to stretch it out, and every big, everything just becomes a fiasco. And I don't really care what 85 different coaches have to say. They're right. all going to say the same thing in the interviews. Well, you know... Stephen F. Austin, they're they're a good team. I watched yeah, them play. Tough. We're 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 gonna have to play hard. We're not even thinking about Texas or Michigan State or yeah. Oregon or anyone else. When you know they're like, oh, Stephen F. Austin, sweet. They're rubbing their hands together, <laughs> thinking we're gonna blow through this team. the The show has basically become a parody of itself. Used to, <laughs> it was just information. Here's what it is, and then at the end, they'd pull in like maybe one of the top coaches who got a good seed or, you know, they'd they'd always bring in the head of the selection committee and they'd always ask questions. I didn't get that far into the show this year because, well, like I said, it was two hours long 
and I just didn't care. Everybody was saying on uh, Twitter as I had left the show that I guess Coach Cal was just ripping into the committee saying that he doesn't know what they were doing and it was just awful and they should look at this and this and this and I don't know what they were doing. So I'm kind of sad I missed that. <laughs> Overall, I mean, just an absolute awful broadcast and definitely something I'm hoping that they learn from and cut it back to an hour next year. Okay, so now that we're there, what one thing angers you the most? About the show? No, about the seating. The Big Ten. We got the Big Ten (laughs) got absolutely screwed. Even even if you say, okay, give Michigan State a two seed, which I don't agree with. They should have been a one. As much as it annoys me that Tom Izzo always seems to get favorable seating and, you know, favorable pass, I think this year there's no doubt in my mind they should have been a one. I mean, do either Is of you guys – Oregon dis- even in the radar for – like, I, that's I don't know. what shocked me. Yeah, I know nothing about Oregon basketball. Yeah, They've been rising up throughout the year, and I think they ended up destroying Utah in the Pac-12 tournament. Um, so I guess they're finally watching those West Coast games unlike previous years. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, don't you guys agree, though, that Michigan State probably should have been a one? Absolutely. For whatever reason, we don't care so much about the rankings all year in the same way that it matters in like college football. But right. those are the best in- indicators of who's the best team. And Michigan State's been up there all year. They've got yeah, the marquee the wins. Top. Yeah, they have the best player in the conf- or in the country. And they just got done beating, you know, Purdue's a really good team. Apparently not that good, according to the committee, but we've been top 15 most of the year. And that's a really good win in a neutral court, which you could argue is almost a home court since it's an hour away from our campus. Right. So even if you ignore Michigan State, if you say, okay, well, they, you know, they could have fallen to a two. I get that. There's a lot of good teams. You look at the next teams in the Big Ten, all fives, Maryland, IU and us, all five seeds. That can't, I mean, that can't possibly be right. Could it just be that they didn't know how to make a distinction between those three teams? And so they kind of just did the middle ground and just settled. Okay, we can't really say any of them are definitively better than the other. So we'll just stick them all at the five and see which one goes through. They could do that if it was the three of us on a committee, not people who, you know, are actually put in charge of a giant event that brings in what it's got to be a billion dollars through all the different revenue streams it would make sense if it was the three of us making a bracket in our backyard but you know these are supposed to be the most knowledgeable people out there making a bracket and this is the best they could come up with do you think maryland is better than a five seed yes i mean i think maryland should have been a four at least i think the same thing about purdue i think iu gosh, I hate to say it, got a little bit screwed too. And I think the committee, I mean, look at this. There's no way it's a coincidence that IU and Kentucky could possibly meet in the second round. Right. But I don't feel any better. Like if I'm a Maryland fan, I don't feel any better about having to play Cal in the next round. Like I feel right. lucky with our draw. Well, that's the, the other four seeds are all Duke, California, and K- Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the problem with just the 5-4 in general, I think, is a terrible place to be because right. when when you're the 5, like like we were talking uh, off air, you know, there's a 5-12 upset almost every season. 
you, you always worry about that. But then even when you win, if you win, you got to play more than likely the four seed, um, which is going to be a pretty darn good team. So, I, I mean, there's no g- great place to be in unless you're a one or a two, really. You know, I think four or five is always tough just because you got to look to that second round matchup. Um, and you always worry about who you're going to end up against. So I think the biggest surprise and the biggest complaint for me was the Big Ten. I mean, a two and then the three fives. And then Iowa was a seven, which I thought was pretty surprising as well. And then Michigan is 11 play-in game. Um, Michigan's so, lucky to be in. Yeah, I, I didn't even think Michigan should be in. But so, oh, I mean, I, oh, of course. Of course. So what are your thoughts on Michigan getting in then, Juan? Well, I... I said that Michigan should be in as a as a double digit seed. Like I think 11's fair. I mean they have they have four good wins. They had wins over Maryland, Purdue, IU, and Texas. And the Texas one was on a neutral court, so that gave a nice little boost. And they had no bad losses either. Now I doubt they're going to make it that far, but I think personally, even though I'm a little biased, I think they're a little bit. I think they deserved to be in that uh, in the tournament there. So Casey, do you have a, a big complaint about the? Uh... The bracket? I mean, the biggest one we already covered, it's Michigan State. I think there was one, and now I can't remember what it is. Was it Monmouth? That's the big one everyone's yeah. complaining about. I don't know anything about Monmouth at That's all. kind of I'm, – I'm kind of in I, that book. I know about the bench. I have bench. never, yeah, yeah, I've they never had a passionate bench. feeling about Monmouth. They, they have the most entertaining bench in college sports. I know that much. So this Oh, is, that's the team. Yeah. Okay. So this is going to be the thousand-foot view of the Monmouth snub. Obviously, Monmouth, not a uh, power conference team. They're in um, the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. So that'd be the MAC, I guess. You know, the big thing the selection committee says every year when not enough get, mid-majors get in and everyone complains, they always say... You know, you got to go on the road and play power conference teams. You got to go on the road and play tougher games, or you got to play at least in tournaments and neutral courts. So Monmouth basically looked at that and said, okay, that's what we'll do. First game of the season, they went to UCLA and won. They played Notre Dame on a neutral court and won. They beat USC on a neutral court. Uh, They beat Georgetown at Georgetown. I don't know what else the committee is looking for them to do. And I mean, they beat Rutgers. So clearly they went into the powerhouse of Rutgers and, and won. So I don't know what else the committee wants. This reminds me the team they should replace is Syracuse. Yeah. I don't know what the committee could see in their profile or just their encore game. They do not look like a very good team. Yeah. I'd, probably tend to agree there i mean you can quabble about um quibble i think yeah uh about seating uh, all you want but there i mean you look at it and i i really do think maybe i'm just fired up right now because it just happened but i think this is probably one of the worst seeded tournaments i i can recall probably duke, something we say every year i don't think so duke should not be a four seed do you do you really think Duke should be seated higher than all three Big Ten teams at fives? So I really think they just Maryland and IU. I really think they just couldn't separate Maryland, Indiana, and Purdue, and they couldn't justify bumping any of those teams up against the other one. So they just stuck them all at five. Well, I'm wondering how much they're factoring in the non-con as well, because IU had a terrible non-con. Oh yeah. And if you look, the only uh, per, uh, non-con win for Purdue in the tournament was Vanderbilt. 
like Florida lost, or they weren't in. Um, who else? Butler's I mean, Old Dominion, Vermont, Butler's, Lehigh. They all Butler's lost in. their conference tournaments. How fun would that Sweet 16 be? Butler and Purdue, Chicago. Oh man, March 25th. Do you? Here's the question: Do you really want to play Butler in the NCAA tournament? I don't care who their coach is. Uh, yes, if it means oh, okay. I'm not taking on Virginia. Well, all right, that's fair. I'll go with that. Okay, moving away from our gripes. Purdue is in the Midwest region. We start out in Denver. We are going to play on Thursday, the 17th. We're the second game of our little pod. So our tip-off should be around 4.30 Eastern time. I know we have a you know a nationwide, worldwide audience, so I want to specify Eastern time on that. <laughs> I don't want Drew in Texas to get all messed up when he tries to... Get the wrong time. Yeah, we're going to have to text him about an hour before the game starts and count him yeah, down to it. Just let him know. Well, so, no, he'll be at the game. Yeah, he's actually going to be in Denver, so he's trying to finagle a uh, press pass and uh, maybe cover the game for us. So hopefully if he does, we'll have some pretty good coverage from down there, maybe some nice pictures even. Looking at the Midwest bracket, Casey, what do you think about Purdue's chances to make it out of there, um, maybe even go to the Final Four beyond? I mean, what's your quick gut instinct say about the Midwest. I feel like we got a pretty good shake. Iowa State doesn't, they don't terrify me as a four seed. That would be our next matchup. Virginia plays a style that's pretty conducive to ours. I don't think it would be a blowout. Um, They're pretty talented, but as far as one seeds go, you're going to have to knock off someone. So I'd rather play, I'd rather play Oregon, but besides that, Virginia is the third out of the one seeds I see. Seton Hall, I think is going to be really tough out at number six. But at the same time, they play Gonzaga, who is a giant team with, you know, good bigs. They have a solid defense. That game, the winner of that game, I think, is going to upset Utah. Does, uh, then, does, Gon- does Gonzaga still have, like, four Australians on their team? Well, they have Sabanis, his okay. uh, kid. And I'm sure they have, you know, three or four Australians. They always, and they always have Australians. Virgins. They got that Australian pipeline, which is just odd. But go ahead. What, what else do you see in there? I think it's Michigan State's to take, though. They've been playing so well all year. The Dayton and Syracuse, I wouldn't be scared if I were them. No. Seton Hall will probably be their toughest challenge up until they get to us. Uh, they failed to mention this on the television, but we beat them once, and we barely yeah. lost to them. We are so, a tough matchup in the same way that they're a tough matchup for us. So that would so you've then got us playing Michigan State in the Elite Eight for a Final Four uh, berth. I I don't know if I can have us beating Virginia. So that would be uh, losing in the Sweet Sixteen if that holds. Yeah, I think we make it to at least the Sweet Sixteen as of so, right now. I really so haven't looked into Virginia yet. What if uh, if Virginia gets knocked off by someone you're a little more confident that we can get to that Elite Eight and face face Michigan State? Absolutely, uh, yeah. Butler. Because it would it would probably be Butler. I don't think Texas Tech. Think. They don't even have twenty wins this year. It's a good story. Tubby Smith is rebuilding the program, but Butler's been there. They've done that. They've overachieved just constantly. And at some point, it's not just luck. It's part of the program built in. I still feel like we were the better team when we played them. We just we struggled with them fronting us. We didn't really have any option B at that point. Ryan Klein hadn't stepped into his own. Dakota was still not playing a whole bunch. Yeah, we've improved quite a bit since that game against Butler. I just I, I don't watch a lot of Butler basketball, so I can't tell you how they've you know improved throughout the season. But they've struggled in the conference. Like 
they barely made it into the tournament. They they had a stretch there where they were losing every other night in conference yeah. play. Yeah, well, you know, the historical American conference is not to be trifled with. Uh, Butler's in the Big East now. Oh, are they? see, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> I thought they were in that makeshift. I'm fairly sure. I thought they were, yeah, because then the big teams that were in the Big East are now in the America. It, it doesn't even make any sense anymore. They're uh, in the Big East Conference. They lost to Providence in their tournaments. All right, uh, Juan, looking in the Midwest, what do you think? I'm um, thinking quite similar to Casey. I mean, I haven't had too much time to actually look at the bracket here. I'm going to have to agree. I think the Sweet 16 is probably the limit here for Purdue. It'll be a tough out against Iowa State if they do beat Little Rock. Uh, but again, Virginia's a tough team. They've developed a better offense compared to last season. Last season, they were all about the defense, but the second someone scored more points than them, they, they could not catch up. But yeah, probably Michigan State will end up winning this because if Virginia does make it to the Elite Eight and plays Michigan State, Michigan State has a good history of beating Virginia in these last couple of years. So that's who I'll pick for the uh, Midwest bracket. I think I'm going to have to go similar to you guys, and uh, I think Purdue... I'm looking at Elite Eight right now because, you know, every year there's at least one busted bracket, and it wouldn't <laughs> surprise me if it's this one. Like Casey said, I could see Butler being Virginia and us facing them once again, um, and and I hope, you know, we've learned enough and, and improved enough to get through them if we do face them again, which would be in Chicago. So in Michigan State, I think, I think you can almost just write them in Sharpie all the way to the Elite Eight. I don't think they have much of a challenge. I mean, maybe Seton Hall, even then. May, I mean, maybe Utah, but I don't think either one of those teams is a true challenge to Michigan State. So I think Michigan State is definitely going to get to that Elite Eight. It's just a matter of can Purdue get there and and have a rubber match with Michigan State to see who who heads to the final four so it's not a great draw for Purdue I think we should have been higher seeded but I mean it could have been worse you know we could have had West Virginia in the second round or something like that yeah we I hadn't know. brought up that word yet but that's yeah the I, thing. we avoided I know that them was, that was Casey's trigger word um we we didn't want to mention it but so I mean we wouldn't even Assuming in pie in the sky possibility, we wouldn't even have to face them until the final four. And so, I'm okay with the final four. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, I'm not okay with it, but <laughs> I, you know, I take it over a, a first round loss, which transitions nicely into our last topic of the night. Um, what do you guys think about the first round game, um, University of Arkansas Little Rock? Um, I guess I can start on this one since I just wrote an article about it and did a little yep. research. It's kind of hard to do these previews of these little teams that you don't know much about and you basically have to read a few articles and look at some stats and, and see where things shake out. They are in the Sun Belt, which is obviously not a powerhouse conference. They set the record for wins both for Arkansas Little Rock and for the Sun Belt. So they were 29-4 and four this season. And then they only lost three games in conference, so they wound up 17-3 and three in conference. The three losses were all on the road. Their, their three conference losses were, I'm going to name these teams for you, and you guys are just going to recognize them as powerhouses. Um, <laughs> Arkansas State, Louisiana Monroe, and Appalachian State. So um, those were their three conference losses. You know, they're not a scoring machine. Um, everything I've read said they're more, de- uh, more a deliberate um, slow down half court style of team, which I but think they is, are efficient. Yes. Yeah. They're incredibly efficient, but I think that half court tempo 
is what Purdue wants to play. I mean, you could see in the second half of the Michigan State game when Purdue was able to get back into it, they stopped the transition of Michigan State, got into their offense and found better shots. So I think that plays right into Purdue's hands. And, you know, um, from a statistic standpoint, we were talking um, in our group message. The one thing that is a little frightening is their three-point shooting. As a team, they shoot 39%. But they do have uh, a couple guys who can really, really shoot it, shoot 46 percent from three. That's Jalen Jackson, Marcus Johnson, Jr. Marcus Johnson, Jr. is the one that scares me the most. He plays about 30 minutes a game, averages 12 points. But like I said, he does shoot 46 percent from three. So that is a little frightening um, for me. But they they shoot 73 percent from the free throw line. I think they're a good team. Um, I mean, like I said in the post, which you should all read if you're listening to this, you know, they're your prototypical mid-major. They've got some some big name uh, players who probably could have gone to um, not big name, but some big time players who probably could have gone to bigger schools, but for one reason or another didn't didn't go there. And they have some talent and they've got some shooters just like a, every mid-major ever you see in the uh, tournament. So they scare me a little bit in that sense, but I think they're a team that Purdue is going to be able to get by. Now that I've gone on and on, what do you guys think about this this first round matchup on Thursday? Well, I think when you look at there, they've, they played four games with an A rating in Kim Palm which is pretty much, you know, when you play a good team. And they won San Diego State 49-43. Tulsa yeah, 64-60. to 60. Texas Tech, they lost 65-53. to 53. Um, UT Arlington 68-62, they won. They're going to try to make it really, really ugly. Wait, UT they, Arlington is an A game? They're 101st rate. Yeah, they're ranked 101, 102. And it was an away game, so oh, okay, that's so that bumps game, it up a little bit. So they're going to try to make it as dirty and slow and as possible. Their turnover percentage forced is twenty one point four percent, which is best for twentieth in the nation. They've got the thirty five or thirty fifth best defense according to Ken Palm. What is that's what they're going to produce is eighteenth. See, so I mean. I, I know, you know, you listen to those stats and they sound kind of scary, but you also got to keep in mind, we played a much harder schedule than them. I mean, granted, they dominated many teams on their schedule and their conference, especially. But is this a game that scares you at all? Or is this I mean, do you feel it comfortable? Does. It does, because we're really bad. We're the 348th best team at holding the ball. That's <laughs> not good. Plus, they can shoot the three a little. I mean, I'm not saying that we're going to lose. We're 21st best offense and 18th best defense. They have two guys that are over 6'9 that play minutes. We should win. But if you get upset, it's usually because you're turning the ball over and because the other team gets hot. And Little Rock are capable of doing both of those things. And that does scare me a little. Yeah, and Purdue is definitely capable of turning the ball over. Um, you know, they're, uh, I'll point out their 6'11 junior. I love his name. Uh, it is Lise Shoshi. Um, I'm sure I just butchered that, but it's just fantastic, and I can't wait to see him. Uh, Juan, what do you think about that first-round game? Honestly, I can't add much. I mean, I found out that Purdue was playing Little Rock five minutes before, 
we started this pod. So if there are any Little Rock fans listening, please know that this is not a sign of disrespect. I just found out, haven't had time to research. No, and really, all I know is what Ledman and Casey said. But based on what you guys have said, I have a feeling that this is going to be a game that Purdue should be leading throughout most of the game. But, you know, Little Rock, they have nothing to lose. So they're going to give everything they have and they're going to keep it close. Like, don't expect Purdue to get a double-digit lead. It'll be similar to, I think... Best I can think of is when Purdue played Siena, Siena. in 2010, Chris Kramer's senior mm. year. That was actually Fran McCaffrey's team, uh, and they kept it close the whole time, and yeah. uh, everyone predicted Siena to upset Purdue in that game. So I have a feeling it's going to be something similar, but then again, I'm also basing it off what I've just heard in the last uh, four to five minutes here, so yeah. I could yeah. be completely wrong. Yeah, I mean, Siena was a popular pick that year, so you're, you're on to something there, because I did see a couple Annas who were like, you know... Don't sleep on on these Trojans. So, I mean, you could have something there. Go ahead, Casey. This probably will be the 12 to 5 pick for everyone because Ken Palm loves Arkansas Little Rock. They're the they have them as the 47th best team in the nation. Oh wow! So you could, I mean, that's part of the whole. Did we get screwed at the five? Yeah. I mean, we got a tough 12. Would you ever? Would you rather have a tough 12 and then? little bit easier four or would you rather have an easier 12 and a tougher four i would go with the tougher 12 and the easier four i would as well i think that's common sense before we head out i just want to i i pulled up the um arkansas little rock website because i wanted i had to look up liz soshi because he looks exactly like you'd think. He is a six foot eleven. They list him as a forward, so I mean he he can shoot it a little bit, but he I mean he looks exactly like you'd think. He's got a little bit of a mustache, you know. Uh, he looks kind of like um, God. What was the guy from Gonzaga? Few years, Adam Morrison. If Adam Morrison was a little oh, cleaned no. up, and he's he's from Kosovo. Or, he or actually the, plays their center most of the time. It looks yeah, like yeah. And he uh, he transferred from Howard. He's moving up in the world. Um, he was the Western Junior Athletic Conference Defensive Player of the Year before transferring. So, I mean, he he does have some talent, and he's moving up in the world. So he's the one that that scares me the most. I'm sorry, no, he's one of them that scares me the most. I just like his name mostly. Yeah, it's him and Marcus Johnson Jr. are the ones uh, that scare me the most. Um, Josh Higgins is their leading scorer, but you know you you got to. Sh- shut somebody down and and I think Purdue has the horses to do that so um, I think Purdue will win the first one and then we'll have to look ahead to uh, the second round where Purdue will more than likely be playing I would say Iowa State but you know at this point who knows we could be facing Iona in that second round so mm-hmm. all right anybody anybody got any final thoughts or are we just going to head out of here um on a little bit of a downer since we lost the game, but hopefully looking forward to Thursday. This is the best week all year. No one needs to be sad. We have That's a, true. We have That's... a winnable first game. Spring break is this week, so it's even better. Yep. Or at least for Purdue and stuff. It's um, Go on to iTunes and comment, rate, listen. You don't even really have to listen. Just comment and rate, subscribe. That helps our numbers out a little That's bit. That's right. Do and all... Stitcher. Yes. Yeah. So I think we'll leave you with that. And uh, one fun fact, every year, uh, this is the peak of vasectomies in the United States so <laughs> that uh, men can sit at home with, with their couch, their remotes, their multiple TVs, and watch as many games as possible. So let's all enjoy this wonderful week that is the first round of the NCAA tournament.